In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. everybody i'm chad bockelman i'm mark marble and i'm jim ford and this is the lantern cast episode 293 game of thrones season 7 recap we can do that we can do that at the end put it after the credits we can all <laughs> Everybody, sing with me! <laughs> yeah, it's going to be impossible to do anything in unison on Skype. That would be easier if we actually, like, were, like, hit, we're on, like, cam at the same time, so we could almost watch each other count down, so we would know. <laughs> Assuming we were in sync, even with the video feed, or else I would still screw it up. Oh, God. Hip to leg. Um... Look, I'm I'm along for the ride on this one, guys. Like I'm say I'm a big fan of Game of Thrones, but you you two have been taking the reins of these, uh, I guess, on the most recent season. So, <laughs> where do we go from here? How are you doing this episode? I, I like the way he does that to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I'm gonna sit back and have a cigar, maybe a glass of wine, get my robe. Chad was included. Why did we bother? <laughs> All this work. <laughs> All this work. Um, oh god. Uh, so okay, let's 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 make it real easy. What? How do we? Th- how do we think this season was overall? Did we like it? Did we not like it? Versus, or did it, did it? Not even talking about specifics about expectation versus reality. Did we have a? When all was said and done in episode seven, finished. Did we think it was a good season, a bad season, or somewhere in between? <laughs> Go ahead, Chad. I would, 
<laughs> I'm sorry, Jim. I'm sorry. I was trying to be funny. <laughs> hey, Jim. <laughs> Chad. <laughs> I'll go. Uh, I, I I enjoyed the season. Um, I thought this is going to sound crazy, but I thought there was there was less action this season than I expected going into it. But by the time the season wrapped up, the action we got this season made sense. Damn it, Chad. We weren't supposed to talk about expectations. <laughs> no, I, I didn't say you <laughs> couldn't. I just didn't want to put pressure on people. I'm probably going to do it too, so it works. <laughs> yeah, um, so that's that's kind of what I felt there. Uh, there were some other issues I had with the season that are, I mean, you know, in the big picture, really non-issues, just given the the amount of episodes we really had left to begin with and uh, the amount of plot that needed to be you know, pushed through, but I, I enjoyed it. Uh, there were a lot of moments where, you know, I'd sit on the edge of my chair or I'd stand up and, like, <laughs> do what your parents tell you not to do and, like, stand three feet away from the TV just watching what's happening, uh, getting real excited and stoked when things happen. So, you know, any any TV show that can do that to me where I'm like, oh, shit, <laughs> did that just really happen? You know, regardless of what my expectations are going in or what I think or what I even know already is going to happen because there were times I couldn't watch it when the actual episode aired. So I had to wait a little bit. And even though things got spoiled for me, I was still like, oh, God, that's awesome to actually see. Um, so and Chad isn't just talking about the nudity, though. It's probably part of it. <laughs> Melisandre. I'm just kidding. Masande. Masande. Uh, yeah, there, was, there really actually wasn't that much nudity this season, though. That was probably the highlight of but it. But the nudity that was there counted. Yeah. <laughs> they made it count. Uh, just a bunch of old pervs right now is what we're doing. <laughs> we're just talking about tits. That's it. Uh, oh, <laughs> but yes, I, I, I really enjoyed this season. Uh, it was different than what I thought, but by the time the season wrapped up, it wasn't so different in such a way that it caused me to un- to, to, to not enjoy the season. So, <clears throat> James. Jim. Okay, so I was I was probably hoping for more, um, maybe some more like reveals. Uh, like you know, you got a little bit of that, but like really, like for all that Sam was in the Citadel we really didn't find out a whole hell of a lot. So that's that's one of the things that I was kind of expecting. I did not expect, like, the big battle with uh, with Cersei. I was not expecting the big battle with the, um, you know, the King of the North. So I had a feeling that this was going to be more just kind of set up for the final uh, season. And in that regard, yeah, it, it did kind of, you know, give me what I expected. Um, I thought it was a good season. I thought it had some really great moments. I, I thought it definitely had some kind of, you know, dumb moments that, like, existed solely to kind of pad out the uh, the plot a bit. But, um, yeah, overall, I mean, like, you know. We, we, we loved it. We, we were watching it every Sunday, like, as it was happening. So that doesn't usually happen too often. I would say, um, I th- it's a, to me, it was a good season. It wasn't a great season. 
I think on a lot of levels to me it was kind of a depressing season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just—it clearly didn't go. See, in a way, it, did, it certainly didn't go exactly the way I expected. Though that, in a way, didn't surprise me either, because as Jim and I have talked about before, if all the if the only thing that was left to really be resolved in the final six episodes was dealing with the Night King, then it probably would be a relatively boring final six episodes because the Night King has been relative. The Night King and the White Walkers have most, as far as I think he and I are concerned, have been mostly boring so far. Though the whole Viserion thing kicks it up a notch. <laughs> but up to the, up to that point, it's been relatively, you know, it hasn't been as exciting for me anyway. Most of the stuff in the North hasn't been that thrilling overall. Uh, leaving stuff out of Winterfell, everything north of Winterfell has never been that thrilling to me. So I guess it made sense that they were going to leave the Cersei, Euron stuff hanging out there. So I guess – I mean, I, so so I, I did meet my expect, expectations, but I wasn't that surprised about that really. Uh, I think – I think – I certainly – it ended more or less exactly leaving the whole Dan, Johnny stuff, John stuff out. Uh the, the, the wall coming down and, you know, the Night King and everybody starting to cross over. That's pretty much exactly how I did figure the episode, the season was going to end. Because we know they were going to drag the – no matter what happened with the with the White Walkers, we knew that stuff was going to pretty much be really left to the final season. <laughs> no matter what, even if all the other plot points had mostly been resolved, we knew that was going to be stuff that, were gonna, that was going to be hanging out there. So that kind of – that met my expectation there. Kind of maybe – Maybe I'll segue slightly into the other way we were going to approach this. One thing that did not meet my expectation at all was Tyrion. <laughs> because this, if you're looking at, not counting dead characters, which is another story altogether, if you're looking at characters that are, at te- that are still alive heading into the final season, you're going to be hard-pressed to have a, find a bigger loser than Tyrion. In the sense that Tyrion, this was a disastrous season for Tyrion. Yeah. It was disastrous. I mean... When you go back to even last year, I mean, his best moments with Danny are when he's trying to either rein her in or just show his ability to read people overall. When it comes to his stratagems, they pretty much have all blown up in his face, even going back to last year with the slavers. So everything he's been trying to do has been has worked out so horribly. You have to think her confidence in him is being is really being shaken. The only thing about John is about the only thing again, even leaving out what happened at the end of the season, the fact that he, the fact that Tyrion vouched for John so much, and she saw that he was absolutely right about John. So that's about the only thing that really. But Tyrion, I mean, he can, his all his decision, all his strategies, he was constantly being outthought and outplanned by Cersei. The fact that he under seemingly. Either under is uh, underestimating Cersei, or more, or kind of what Danny said to him, though it seemed like it was a slap in the face at the time. But there seems to be a lot of truth in it because he kind of acknowledged that when he was meeting with Cersei, the fact that his heart's really not in what needs to be done if he had to really get rid of her and to really get rid of the Lannisters being in power. He's not really committed as yet to do what needs to be done, and that could be sub- subconsciously influencing part of his decision making. And how in the world would you? If you were dealing with a rational leader, you know, if you were not dealing with, like, Cersei, who essentially is the North Korea of Westeros, <laughs> you know, Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong this week, if, if Cersei was rational, then the whole thing about, yeah, let's unite against the White Walkers makes sense. But she's not. And of all people, Tyrion knows that. So why he would yeah. really think, number one, making a truce with her would work 
the way he wanted it to work, which was just short term, and why you would think just bringing down a White Walker would convince her all of a sudden that, oh, everything that's all about me isn't really relevant. And, of course, the whole horrible strategy about risking everything they did, including losing a dragon at the end of the day, just to get a friggin' White Walker for a truce that didn't even take place or isn't going to yeah. really take place. That was all basically Tyrion's stratagem, again, stupid. So I think Tyrion is you – know, he really, no pun intended, was really diminished here, and I think that's uh, – I, that, I was not expecting that. I think it's – I think they did that, though, because – it's, I mean, part part of the the whole structure of every season of Game of Thrones is they either kill them, uh, you know, the, your favorite characters, or they knock them down several pegs. Well, they didn't kill Tyrion, so what was left to him but to knock him down several pegs. So, I mean, I just, I think that's just kind of like the 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 formula of Game of Thrones, uh, it, and it maybe just didn't play out in a in a in a way in which. You know, we could feel bad for Tyrion, but not, you know, lose a lot of respect or admiration in him or, or whatever. But maybe that was just the goal that all along was to to knock him down. Um, I just think I do agree with you, though. Like he's he's not as smart as he thinks he is. And I think he's getting played uh, like this is this is kind of tying into, you know, other character arcs. But I, and I, don't, I haven't read the books, so how hell if I know. But personally, I don't think Cersei's pregnant. I think this is a long con. So, and I think that her refusing the drink and you know putting her hand on her stomach when she's meeting with Tyrion, all of that was for for Tyrion's benefit. So he would come to the conclusion that he did, and then whatever, whenever she lets you know Jamie go at the end of the last episode, seemingly because it's a weakness in her to not actually kill him for walking away from her. That's a strategy. I think she's doing that on purpose. Um, so I just think that Tyrion is falling for it. And I don't know. I, his motives for falling for it are, are, are relatively unclear for me because, like, I, I get it. You know, it's his family. And despite all the shit he's been through, he still has ties to that family. Um, and, you know, he loves his brother and, for whatever reason, still loves Cersei. Um, but. That last scene too, one of the last scenes in, in the final episode of him kind of looking in on the on the door uh, to to Danny's room and on the ship when when John and Danny are together, it's like I I personally didn't get the feeling ever that that Tyrion was into Danny in that way. Like I I definitely understood his admiration for her and all that other stuff, but I think I think part of the reason I'm just unclear about how I feel about Tyrion's role in all this is because his motives were so unclear to me. Is he doing this for Danny because of loyalty or do you get that last scene where you're like, Oh shit, is he like in love with her and now jealous of John? And like, what is all of this leading to? Like it, it, his motives were so unclear to me this season that that's why he failed to me as a character this season. It's because I didn't really understand why he was doing what he was doing, for the most part. Yeah, that that last part with him just kind of staring at the door was really weird. Like that 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 seemed to come out of left field for me. Yeah, I I I, I personally don't think, even though they could be going this route, I don't think it's because he 
I mean, obviously you'd have to be friggin' bl- I mean, you have to be blind not to know she's attractive, but I don't think that was his. Mo- I think the real issue for him is he just knows that now this just complicates things so much at a time that we don't need things complicated. And the fact that as, and they've kind of talked about this, you know, after seeing some of the interviews after after you know the, the episode aired and everything, just the fact that. The, f- the fact that there's a, such a strong history of romance is not working out really or ending well on the show. That that could very well be the main one of the main reasons that he, he's looking at it the way he is going. Oh, this this just took a turn, which we kind of, which he probably kind of knew what was going to happen, but he was kind of hoping it wasn't going to happen for a while because this just really potentially complicates things. Uh, but it could be more. It could be more than that. But it, I agree. I agree though. It was. Seemingly, quote unquote, out of character for him to be like that. If it was Jorah, it would make more sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, we, we would, you know, we would get that. But with Tyrion, it's just no, Jorah's just Jorah's so used to it. <laughs> like, like, and that in that final episode when she sides with with John's plan to sail into what was it Whitehall together. <laughs> Jorah just like looks away for half a second, <laughs> you know, just like oh, shit. Here we go again, <laughs> which was enough for me. It was just like, what do you expect, man? <laughs> he, he'd be looking through the door hole, the peephole, man. <laughs> the keyhole. I see it. <laughs> he might as well be in Unsullied by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know. We don't know how far the grayscale progressed on him. So. Oh God. <laughs> That wouldn't have been fun for Sam either. Oh, man. <laughs> Hold it, I'm going in. Oh, God. But, uh, yeah, so. You know, speaking of the grayscale, like, I mean, it led to a, a humorous moment where he's like, I read the book, I followed the instructions. I love that. And that was, like, that was funny. But by the same token, like, it kind of takes away from the fact that he did this thing that nobody's done in, like, you know, forever. Well, no, somebody did it to, what's his name's daughter, right? Um, they had done it to the daughter, but she was nowhere near as, as advanced. Uh, as advanced. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I, it was actually, it was the, the priestess that had done it. Right? Uh, no, I, no, I I don't. No, it wasn't. It, was it, was, it, it wasn't the red. Right, yeah, it definitely was not the red woman. So what was it? Uh, somebody from the Citadel? I don't. I think I don't remember. I think I think so because they they mentioned so and so did it to. I think Sam says so and so did it to. What's her name? I I, I God, what? Stannis's Stannis's daughter. Um, he he mentioned that it you know there he says something like. Uh, I don't know. It's it's. I forget the names of these people, but it, it, because I grew up in the church, father so and so did it to Stannis's daughter, and, and he was like, well, she was an infant, and I guess I don't know, her immune system was stronger, or she could handle it, or, or something to that effect. Well, it might be just more curable when you're when you're when you're yeah. not an adult. But 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 they mentioned that somebody had ties to it and, and had wrote down that they had done it, but they. The, the head guy kind of shrugged that off, just saying, like, no, that, that's because she was an infant. You can't do this on a full-grown man. <clears throat> I think it was somebody tied to the Citadel. <clears throat> but I agree with you, Jim. You mentioned it uh, by name earlier. If we're switching characters, it beats a little bit to Sam. When the Citadel stuff happened at the end of 
towards the end of the, the sixth season when he finally shows up there, I was stoked because like one of my favorite things, like if I could go back in time, I'd go to the library of Alexandria. It'd yeah. be one of the, that'd be one of the places I'd go to because it's like all of that knowledge in one space. So seeing all something like that in Westeros, I was like, Oh shit, he's going to find <laughs> the cure for the grayscale. He's going to learn about <laughs> Jon Snow. He's going to learn about like how to defeat the white walkers, how the white walkers were created in the first place, what the magic is that runs them. He's going to find spell books. Like <laughs> I was like, all the solutions for all of Westeros are in this one building. If someone would just take the time to read the books. <laughs> hey, 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 look, it's the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> just like, I was so stoked for the possibilities that were there. And I get that, you know, like, all right, we need to wrap this up. Let's kind of do this. So we we got what we kind of could out of all of that. But I was so looking forward to getting a bunch more out of that. And that kind of ties into kind of what my expectations were of the season. Because, because we only had seven episodes, we didn't get one of the things which I really enjoy about Game of Thrones is, like, kind of like the on-the-road stuff. Like, you guys remember the first season when Ned is uh, – following uh robert baratheon or whatever back down to king's landing to become his hand like there were things like they were stopping along the side of the road to have lunch for the day and having conversations and stuff like that and they'd run into other characters and there's a lot of on the road cool stuff and run-ins and paths crossing that happen in game of thrones when people are journeying from winterfell to king's landing or or back and forth or whatever but by necessity, that was just kind of all gone. <laughs> One minute we're in King's Landing, and then we're at Dragonstone, and then we're here, and then we're there. So I got it, and I understood why we did it. And because of that tone shift, I had to kind of reassess my expectations. Go, okay, we're not going to get this, so I shouldn't judge the season by what we didn't get. But it still kind of irked me that those moments weren't there. I was happy when we got the stuff with like Arya on the road, where she was heading towards King's Landing and then turned around and went to Winterfell. But that was kind of the only on-the-road stuff we did get. We got a little bit with the Hound and Beric, I thought. We got a little yeah. bit of that. Yeah. <clears throat> the Hound had a good arc. I think the Hound had a good season. It was, he wasn't in it very much. He's, they started him off, and then like you didn't see him again until like, almost you know, like only like three quarters through the season. But obviously, as a character, they're showing a lot of depth and a lot of growth in him. And... <laughs> There's not a lot of characters left, so they kind of have to. No, I know that. I mean, that that is true, and, and obviously the dynamic started changing this season, which is clearly going to be more so in the final season, which is that almost everybody's going to be together. So we're going to have a lot of interactions that, A, we're going to have a lot of reunions we haven't seen in a long time, and we're also going to have a lot of characters that really have never interacted, at least not regularly, and are going to be interacting. But the, but the, but I thought the stuff with the hound was interesting. Obviously, we know he did not. He has not overcome his fear of fire yet, which probably, if it's going to happen, it won't be until, until we get the Clegane Bowl, which most people were giving. I think a lot of people were starting to give up on that before the final episode, where the, the hound kind of makes, kind of almost guarantees that it's going to happen when he when he was talking to the mountain. Uh, I think. So I'm looking forward to. I'm obviously look, I'd like to see the, how the hound. I'd like to see the hound and Arya. I'm looking forward to seeing that reunion. That that should be pretty cool. Um, but I, I I really liked I and I actually and the Hound stuff with Brienne was really cool. That there was no animosity between the two of them. There was no you know you could have would have figured that the the Hound in the old days would probably just be be really chomping at the bit to like square off with her again just to to try to at least you know 
kind of, and even in his own eyes, you know, just kind of redeem himself to prove that, oh yeah, you you only beat me because I, you only beat me because because I was sick and because I, you know, I slipped and I fell and stuff like that. But you didn't get any of that. They both were just kind of like, just having a just a casual conversation and making it clear that at the end of the day, even though they fought, they both were essentially trying to accomplish the same thing, which was to protect Arya. So I thought that was pretty cool. Like two proud parents. Yeah, yeah, was, I love. Was, I saw. Yeah. I saw that photo. Somebody was making a meme out of that. Like, our little girls all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I thought. I thought. I thought that was. I thought that was pretty. That was pretty cool. I. I really enjoyed that. Um, looking at other characters here. Um, obviously, even though it's going to be short term, uh, Cersei probably is the. Is the biggest other than the Night King? Cersei is probably the biggest winner of the season. <laughs> the mere fact that she's alive and the fact that she's still in power alone, when, when again, logic, logically, they really should have taken her out because you can't trust her at your back. But yeah. so, and, and I and I think Cersei's pregnant. I just don't think Jamie's the father. I hmm. think, that's what I. No, think. I think she. I think he definitely has to be the father. Well, she's well. The mere fact that she was making it seem like so clear that, oh, that she was wanting everybody to think he was the father, that's who she was going to say was the father, something about that just seems – I know some of it's her arrogance now, and it's like we don't have to hide – maybe hide this anymore or crap like that. But there's but because Cersei's always – she's always plotting, she's always manipulating, and it seems like every single time Jamie was coming or going, no pun intended, that her – you know. <laughs> That 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 her hand there was always around. That makes me think that I I don't think I could that could be that could be the catalyst for when Jamie ends up doing what he has to do and to finish her off. But is he finds out that she is pregnant, but it's not even his kid. So I don't think I don't think I think I I agree with I thought what you did, Chad, for a while that she was bullshitting that she wasn't pregnant. But I do think she is. I just I just have a feeling it may not be his. I just I, I I think it's bullshit only because see I was expecting it the entire time but when she seemingly showed quote unquote weakness by letting him go at the end of that episode I was like Mm-mm. like Jamie knows way too much right now for her to tactically tactically let him go like I figured there there's some there's some stuff happening there. Like there's, I don't trust that there's still a sliver of good in some way, shape, or form left in Cersei to where that wasn't a purposeful move. Or she no. might, she might just not think that despite everything that's been going on, she still might not think Jamie's gonna spill all the beans. He might spill just enough. He might spill just enough, but she might not. She might, and probably does think that no matter what she does to him. He's always going to have enough. He's going to have some loyalty to her that she's. He will never completely betray her, which of course he probably will, because he'll, because he'll have no choice. But going back to the, the old prophecy stuff, but I think, I don't know. It, it, it yeah, their relation, their relationship was odd. Uh, even, even the heart, you know, the whole saying that you really are the stupidest Lannister, or whatever, however she phrased it to him. Um, I think like the whole thing about her letting him go. Like, even if she, you know, as conniving as she is, I don't think that she has it in her to have him killed yet. Oh, I think so. After everything that's happened to her, no, like she, I, I, she she barely reacted to Tommen's death. 
Yeah, but I, I mean, mean, like, she's, like, right now, she's living for, like, her and, 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 uh, and Jamie. Like, that's, that's it. You know? Hmm. Like, that's why she's not gonna kill him. And he called her bluff. You know? But like, she, all, like, but, good. Well, I mean, like, I can't see, there's no, yeah, I mean, yeah, he had information and everything like that, but they were gonna find that out eventually anyway. You know, like, I guess she could have had, you know, uh, the mountain, like, try and grab him. But the mountain's not, like, fast. He's just really strong. But they you were know, like, they were relatively close, though. He could I'm sure he could have gotten them. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, you know, the mountain's something that you kind of set on somebody to, you know, to kill. And she did not want him killed. Hmm. I... I I did not take that at all as like, oh yes, I'm letting you go because it's all part of my plan. I think that, you know, like, I, I don't think, I, you know, like, I still think that there's um, a definite chance that she's not pregnant or that, like, this baby is just, you know, doomed to never be born or, you know, something like to that effect. But, um, you know, it could very well be that Jamie's the one that puts the dagger, you know, to kill them both, and then dies himself or something. Hmm. The other thing is, remember how she told him never, like, basically she read on the riot act about, even though just by meeting with Tyrion down, you know, with the, the arranged meeting with, with Bronn, the idea that she told him not to betray her again. So if he, if she viewed, if she views what what he has done, like, let's say this time, as betraying her again by not, you know, by going off to, to fight in the north or whatever. So maybe at that, maybe maybe it's kind of like splitting the difference. Maybe she wasn't 100% to, to, kill, to being committed to killing him at the moment, at that moment in time at King's Landing. But once he decided, well, I'm going, well, screw you, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do, that maybe at this point that he'll be dead to her. Uh, but then again, the interesting thing about the the interesting thing about the decision to let you know to not resolve Cersei's arc now is that you kind of suspect that means Cersei's going to be alive if not to the final episode, damn well close to it, because you would oh, ha- yeah. because you would have the majority of the the majority of the action is clearly going to be taking place in the north. So and with with some obviously we have some stuff that'll be going on in King's Landing, and then we have another character we need to talk about, or co- combination of characters with Theon, Euron, and Yara. That stuff's pretty much probably going to be resolved by itself, uh, while everything's going on in the North. So, but the majority will be in the North. So Cersei probably will be. It'll be towards the very very end when we finally get the determination that who's going to be sitting on the Iron Throne after Cersei. So she. Which, which, well, I don't know if we should segue into it yet, but that also does raise raises a lot of questions about Danny and John about what's going to happen with them. Since I, well, I, bef- before we segue, before we segue yeah. into either the the, the Greyjoys or or the the King and Queen, just because we were talking about Jamie. Speaking of Jamie making stupid decisions and and stuff like that, what the hell was he thinking? <laughs> oh, with the back to the fort, back to the dragon. Yes. Yeah. What is, I loved it. I loved it too because I was thinking that like I was like I was with Tyrion there. I was like, "You idiots! What are you doing?" Like, and I loved it because the very next episode is Bronn pulling him out of the water, going, "The hell were you thinking?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yes," yeah, because I, I like I don't 
I don't see any any tactical military strategic smarts in any of that. That dragon wasn't down for the count. It wasn't like weak and laying on its stomach. It was just sitting there while Danny was trying to pull out the, the, the and it was facing him the entire time. Like you're you're correct that it was dumb. <laughs> Yeah, there was a there was a strategic reason for rolling the dice on it because if he could have killed her, you figure everything was going to fall apart. I mean, because you, you, you're, but yeah, it was dominant. You kill the queen that's like a foot away from the biggest dragon he's ever yeah, seen. Not, yeah, the only dragon he's ever seen. The odds of it being successful were really really remote. But that but that, but, but that was the, the thought going through his head. If, you know, if I could kill her, that's going to end the war, and that probably will. But. The thing that was the thing that I and we talked about this previously. The thing that I found really f- funny about that whole scene was the fact that never once did Tyrion ever really indicate that he thought that Danny was ever in any danger. It's just the fact that you fucking idiot, you're gonna get yourself killed because because <laughs> yeah, Joe Joe Gon would have to be like three like seven ninety nine percent dead for him not to at least you know do whatever he could to protect Danny at the end. <laughs> so yeah. Well, I just had to talk like? about that real quick because that was like one of the big episodes of the season. Yes. Uh, so I was just like, oh, come on. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I actually kind of buy, buy it because, like, you know, even afterwards, he he spoke about that battle as it, like, it was like, you know, it wasn't just a battle that they lost. It was like a crushing defeat because, like, you've got the Dothraki who fight, you know, Ten times better than the Lannister army, and also freaking dragons, you know, just blowing everybody up with fire. It's like, you know, it was a demoralizing, you know, loss. And so it's like, he probably was just thinking, it's like, okay, well, fuck it. We're all going to lose, you know, we're all going to die anyway. At least I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory if there's a slight chance that I can take her. Yeah, because in the sliding scale, it was. Based on yes, based on especially once you heard Jamie talk, because we knew it was a devastating defeat, but but you didn't know how Jamie was going to react to it, and how he was, how he was going to preface it and explain it to Cersei, and, and and put it in context. But once you saw that, it just adds no pun intended fuel to that fire, because yeah, Dan, uh, Jamie knew Jamie that Jamie probably saw that as the one opportunity they still had left to maybe not lose, not just the battle, but the war, because he knew after seeing what he saw that they couldn't beat the Dothraki on the field of battle. You know, if the Insulted join up with the Dothraki, then you got the infantry and the cavalry together. You're not going to you're not going to beat them. I mean, you you arguably have the best infantry and the best cavalry there in all of, you know, in, in all of Westeros and Easteros combined. And then you got three dragons at the time when they only had she as he pointed out, they only used one. Imagine, you know, if they if they ever decide to use all of them. Or to, to, she really decides to use them, I think the quote was. So he knew what that meant. He knew that from that point on militarily, what, they could not win. So all the momentum they had built up by eliminating other losers of the season like the Tyrells and the Martells, it didn't matter anymore because all, everything just went down the drain when when Daenerys did what she did, which once again was going against Tyrion's advice. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think – I think what people underestimate in that episode, and you, and you did bring it up, so I don't think any of us here underestimate it, is everybody always points to, like, all right, the Dothraki are riding in, that's cool. And then <laughs> we see a dragon flying into battle in Westeros. Like, that's the cool part of that episode. To me, I just like the, the looks on, on, on Bronn and Jamie's faces when they see the Dothraki, before they hear or see the dragon. 
Because you can tell on their faces right then already, they're like, oh, shit. Like, because both of them know what the Dothraki are and what they're capable of. So to see the entire horde bearing down on them like that just completely blew their minds. That was before they even heard Drogon. <laughs> like, they did didn't hear him, didn't see him. It was just Dothraki coming over the hill, and they were already shitting their pants. So I, that, that's that's something about that episode I find that people underestimate. It's like, you see the Unsullied and stuff, but the Dothraki are are really the, the, the ones you don't F with. Like, they're savage. They have no problem just completely riding through people. Like, it's it's intense the way they fight. And ruthless. So I just I, that that's something I really enjoyed seeing is is the Dothraki in action in Westeros. Yes. And and, Tyr- and Tyrion's strategy when it came to the Dothraki did make sense because because of the reputation and how how fearful people are of the Dothraki by reputation that having them start conquering territory in her name would be would very well be be a catalyst for though it would be probably fruitless, but for people to stand and try to unite together against Danny because they're afraid of what the Dothraki will do, being able to basically be given free reign. But, yeah, the Dothraki were... Uh, it was, yeah, seeing everybody's reaction during and post-battle to the Dothraki. It's like... Though I don't... Obviously, we know the Dothraki, unless they get some uh, dragon glass scimitars and stuff, are going to have a problem <laughs> in the next... In the, in what's coming next, but... Oh yeah, could you imagine White Walker Dothraki? Yeah, I'm sure we're going to see some of that. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> just not, not only that just on on horseback. Like it's not just the night kings that have <laughs> have are riding the dead horses. It's the entire Dothraki horde. Oh, that would freaking suck. <laughs> What All right, we can seg- we can segue now to the Greyjoys or, or well, Danny and let's John. Do, let's do Littlefinger because Littlefinger kind of ties into Sons <laughs> and Arya. Uh, that was one of the most pathetic slash satisfying deaths I've ever seen. Just when he's just sitting there begging and pleading and mewling at her feet, I was just like, "What a wimp!" Like he has no spine. Look at him. <laughs> like look at him just wiggle there on the ground like a helpless little worm. <laughs> like. The well, entire yeah, time, I mean, he had he had nothing left. <laughs> he had nothing else to play. He had to do that. That's true. But like any time you've ever seen Littlefinger, you always look at him and you're like, this this dude can't help. All he has are his machinations. You take that away from him, and he's nobody. He's nothing. So like that's that was really satisfying to me to to see that come full tilt. Like it, it would have been even better. If like he ended up getting in the fist fight with somebody or something, because you just know this guy can't stand up for himself in any way, shape, or form. So, but it, but they kind of got the best of both worlds because you you took all of his power away from him, and you had a little girl kill him. <laughs> now, <laughs> granted, that little girl's Arya, <laughs> so maybe... yeah, I don't know if I would. I, I don't know if there's any shame in having a little girl if it's Arya killing her. <laughs> yes. That's kind of, you know, she's one of the deadliest assassins, you know, in all of Westeros. That's true. Probably, and probably most of, uh, was it, was it uh, Essos also? Yes. 
she's, just... learned from, she's learned from the best. No one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good. That was a good shout out. Who taught you that? Nobody. <laughs> that was cool. Uh, no, but like, I, I kind of saw this coming the minute Brand showed back up. I was like, <laughs> Littlefinger making all these little deals back in secret rooms and stuff like that throughout the entire history of Westeros uh, that we've seen so far in this in, in the Game of Thrones series. Um, <laughs> paired up in the same in the same town in the same room as somebody who sees everything and is on the side of the Starks for the most part. <laughs> like this is this is not going to bode well for Littlefinger. <laughs> and it was cool to see that someone who was so used to being the master manipulator and thought who was he was still in control of the game until the very end, just to find out that he was the one that was being played by both Arya and Sansa at the end. That that. See, I thought that's the part that I thought was satisfying. Him dying that way, I, I kind of imagined in a way, even though it was more of a humiliating death because it was, it was in front of everybody and and it wasn't just oh, more or less being assassinated in private that people knew why he was being killed and that you know all all his treachery, all this treachery was being brought out. But I like the setup for that more than anything. I like the fact that he really thought that he was succeeding in turning you know Sansa against Arya and. And getting ready to, you know, stage basically their their coup against John to take over, you know, to take over the North, and they were just playing Littlefinger and using using their own knowledge against him, and even Sansa, you know, obviously knowing what happened to her aunt at the Moon Door directly, among everything else that that you know Bran could see, and yeah, I thought, yeah, in Littlefinger, you once it became clear, once it became clear that Cersei was going to make it through. And that Euron was going to make it through. Littlefinger pretty much had to go because one of those three had to be elim- eliminated this season. They couldn't have all three of those continuing on into next into next season. And it would make sense that having basically the you know the no pun intended the the, the wolf the wolf amidst the sheep right there that right in all together in Winterfell where everyone else was going to be. It would kind of make sense that would be the one you'd weed out first and get rid of. So, but a cool character. I'll kind of I'll kind of miss. Uh, I'll kind of miss seeing scenes with him, but it was it was long overdue. <laughs> so who do we want to do Is, next? Well, since we're already in Winterfell, should we talk with the Stark girls? Sure. Because we kind of were, so that would guess it would make sense to kind of continue on. Um, go ahead, Chad. What do you want to What do you want to go with it? Uh, <laughs> well, not just the Stark girls. How about we just do all the Stark children besides John? Okay. Uh, like, just you know, I thought it was a cool season for for the Starks in terms of the kids, but I just I felt like I didn't get enough with all of them. Like, the, the, like I felt like Arya's coolest scene was her going up against Brienne. I thought that was her her big scene, uh, other than of course her the opening scene of the season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, so that was that was definitely cool, but uh, I, I just she seemed almost brand like, right? Because brand just seems so detached and you know robotic and everything, which you expect from him because you know he's I, I, an all-seeing person now. Like he's he's a, he's completely changed. Uh, so it's it's not hard to you know, attribute that to Bran and be like, all right, I get it. But 
at the same time, it felt to me like Arya was a little more detached than I would have expected her to be. Um, which may have been countered when she, you know, turns out she's working with Sansa to take down Littlefinger and all that. But at, at the same time, it still felt like she was this un, this almost heartless person in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I don't want to say heartless. It's just uh, the, coming out of my mouth. That sounds wrong, but I can't think of the word to replace it. So I just felt like between Sansa and Arya and Bran, there was a lot of cool moments for each of them, but not enough moments to where I felt like it was a good season specifically for them. Does that yeah, make any nice. sense at all? Yeah, it was nice that they, you know, reunited, I guess. Yeah. I, like, the thing that I'm worried about is that, like, Winterfell's, like, you know, that's right up there in the north. Yep. So, mm-hmm. like, <clears throat> what the have, hell is going to Yeah, they're going to have company real soon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I kind of see them, well, I kind of, I guess I kind of want to see them make it out, you know, alive. But, you know, I mean, like, Bran, Bran, I, I guess, could go. I, you know, like, something's going to happen with Bran. But, um, you know, with, with Sansa and Arya, like, you know, I, 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 think, I think Arya is, like, the one character that, like, will not die in Game of Thrones. Just out of um, sheer stubbornness. <laughs> well, and also because, uh, well, in the books, anyway, um, Martin has basically said that his wife made him promise that he would not kill Arya, because that's <laughs> her favorite character. So, most likely, I think she's, you know, and also because she's, you know, such a good assassin, like, I, I you know, I think that she's going to make it out alive. And if she makes it out alive, like, I see Sansa making it out alive, too. Um, but, I mean, I don't I don't see how they're going to do that if they stay in Winterfell. It's po- I mean, it's possible, from a strategic point of view, if everybody's, like, held up in Winterfell, it's possible the Night King could try to basically just circumvent them. <laughs> Because it's not like he has to take Winterfell for any real any real reasons. They, I mean, from a strategic perspective, they don't. He's obviously they're not going to fight. They don't need to fight a war like you normally would. So they could basically just surround them and or leave them. They could do like, like a siege if they wanted to, because obviously they don't eat. So so they can just they they definitely could wait them out. But they could just let them stay there too, and they could just do can. That could be what their strategy might be to keep taking to do everything they can to draw to basically try to draw them out of Winterfell into a battle because they know that eventually they're going to say we can't just sit here and 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 even though we're safe temporarily, look at what they're doing throughout the countryside and they're starting to march south if we stay here. Well, true, but they're they they also breached the wall on the coast, and Winterfell is dead center for the most part in the north and Westeros. So, do we think? That the first thing the Night King's gonna do is they breach the wall, you know, uh, on the coast. They're gonna turn inland and head dead center, or are they gonna march down the coastline and just kind of make a straight beeline towards places like King's Landing? Yeah, but they want, like, you know, I, I thought the goal was well. Well, that's the other thing. We don't really know what the goal. We don't know anything about them, quite quite honestly. Like we saw their yeah. origin with the children of 
the corn or whatever the hell they are. <laughs> but, Forest, <Ted. laughs> I know, I was intentionally saying. I know you're being funny. They might like, like corn, but that's irrelevant. We, we saw their origin, but outside, well, at least the Night King's origin, but we didn't see, we don't know anything else about how that magic works, what their goals are, what he's thinking, what he's trying to do. Like, we don't know anything. We just yeah. know it's essentially it's it essentially all it is is really that was that we know it's a zombie horde. That's all we know. It's, that wants to wipe out the living, yeah. Yeah. Their their goal is to living person consume, raise them up, keep going. But since the Night King is, you know, has his minions grab chains and drags the dragon out of there and, and turns that into a zombie so he can use it to breach the wall, he's clearly thinking something. But we have no idea what his plan is. In all seven seasons of Game of Thrones, we have zero idea what the hell is going on in his head. Well, since we yeah. probably have spent like about like 15 minutes combined on the Night King in seven <laughs> seasons of screen time. Uh, speaking of, of Viserion here for a moment, uh, I think Viserion's both a winner and a loser this season. <laughs> he, you mean toothless? Well, he's a he's a loser because he's clearly because he's dead, but he's a winner because up until this up until he died, we all know the, the, there's only been one dragon that's really a character on the show, and that's Drogon. <laughs> Rhaegal and Viserion are just kind of like you know the, the 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 JV team behind him, so they had no character development for any of the dragons and barely had any screen time since they were locked up in the pits of Marine for like a couple of years, so. He actually has a chance to have a little bit of a true character now, which is ironic. He's dead, but this is going to be the most character develop, development he's ever going to get. But since he's dead and he's, and he's going to decay, if his, if his wings decay, wouldn't that mean he won't be able to fly? If the connective tissue in his wings keeps decaying, wouldn't that mean at some point he won't be able to fly? Again, it's the magic. We have no idea how it works. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think... Like he's when he flies up against the wall. That's why I made the joke. Like we might as well just call him Toothless. Because if you ever saw How to Train Your Dragon, when Toothless like flies by something, it's like a freaking fighter jet going by at a billion miles an hour. We've never seen any of the dragons fly anywhere near as fast as he flew when he made that first shot against the wall. Like he just went zooming by and just let that bolt of blue out of his mouth. That could also so like. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. Like he, that's the fastest we've seen any creature in the entire <laughs> series of Game of Thrones ever go. That was a fighter jet level speed <laughs> that he just flew past that, that wall. But that could just be a product of the fact that he's dead and he, and he really has no fear of anything. I mean, no matter how, no matter how impressive the dragons were, and he, that's even before they started taking, you know, spears and stuff like that, so they got some damage to them. They still, they, you know, there's a certain self-awareness that you know that that you know that you're alive, and there's a self-preservation in it. So if something's coming at you, the natural instinct is to, is to dodge it, even if it's not really going to hurt you. Your instinct is to get, you know, to, is to dodge it for the most part, especially if you don't know for a fact that it's not going to hurt you. Now, arguably, uh, Viserion doesn't have to worry about that anymore because he's dead. So nothing's really, so nothing, so. I mean, even if somebody was throwing something with dragon glass at him, there's nothing in his brain that probably, you know, how it functions or doesn't function at this point that would translate to, oh, I have to dodge this necessarily because this one substance can hurt me. Now, the Night King would probably recognize that if he was riding him and try to steer him out of the way. But on his own, he might just plow forward because that's just, just, just what they are. I know. I'm just saying in that first pass against the wall, 
I've never seen any of the dragons move that fast. That was unnaturally fast for anything I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I don't know if you, Jim, did you feel that way? Because it seemed like he was just in and out. I'm like, that was incredibly fast. I don't know. I mean, it's it's the wall. I don't think that the wall is like. Well, I mean, I know it's big, but I mean, you know, for a dragon, I think a dragon could could get through that pretty quick. No, I don't mean get through it. I mean, I'm talking about when he when 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 the dragon first shows up on the scene. Right. Not when he's just hovering there and letting the bolt out of his mouth and he's melting and collapsing the wall. But the very first like flyby attack against the wall. I'm not talking about how fast he got through the wall. I'm talking about when he first flies and lets the first bolts uh, out of his mouth and just comes up on the scene and just zooms on by. And you see um, Tormund, like just his head goes from the right to the left in a half a second because the dragon just flew by. Because um, yeah, no, it was like a fighter jet coming on the scene just out of nowhere. He's, he's there, he shoots, he's gone. And then he comes back and does the whole collapsing the wall thing. But that first hit, it was just incredibly fast. That's what I'm, that's what I'm referencing because, you know, magic. I think there's something to do with magic and not only bringing him back, but keeping him in the air and having him do the things he's able to do, including as fast as he freaking is. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I didn't really pay attention to you know, the comparison of speed between that scene and when, uh, you know, Drogon fought um, the Lannisters. Yeah. So, and, and it, it's probably, since Game of Thrones does, a, much like Star Wars, Game of Thrones has a lot of things that have come full circle and have things that are repeat themselves, even if it's different characters following the same beats, that... It's kind of not surprising that the, even though it's not really by choice, but the one, but the one dragon that, the, the dragon that kind of has be, turns turns traitor, not by choice, is the one named after Daenerys' brother, who was the big dick himself, Viserys, or Viserys. That it's kind of appropriate that that's the, the, the dragon named after him is the one that's, that's the problem. So, and and the drug and the dragon that may very well end up taking him out is named after Khal Drogo, who also killed. Her brother, so it might be pretty appropriate the, the characters' names too, because you because know, you can almost take it to a bank. The bank you can have a square, you can have a showdown between Danny and Drogon versus Viserion and the Night King, even if that's not even if it's not a fight to the death of all four characters at once. That that you know that there's going to be a battle between those characters. So and it wouldn't surprise me that Drogon would be the one to take out Viserion one way or the other. Uh, even if he dies in the process, it wouldn't surprise me. Though you would like to think one dragon will survive somehow, no matter which Targaryen that's on the throne, there should be at least one dragon that survives. <laughs> it is weird, though, that, you know, it's like going into the season, like one of the, you know, the big, uh, I guess, uh, fan theories or whatever, was that Tyrion was going to turn out to be a, um, Targaryen. a Targaryen also. And... I mean, like, really, they've. Th there are still a number of clues that would, you know, you know, still imply that that's a possibility. But, you know, like one of the big things was that it's like, okay, well, you know, Jon Snow is definitely a a uh, Targaryen, you know, so he'll get a dragon, and then you know, it's the three headed dragon. 
So, you know, they'll have Tyrion also, and he'll be a Targaryen, and he'll ride the third dragon. It's like, okay, well, now there's just two dragons. Well, you know, how do you have the three-headed dragon if you only have two dragons? Unless Bran can warg into Viserion. Possibly. Yeah, but even even if Bran can warg into Viserion, like, Bran's definitely not a Targaryen, and him warging in, like, I can't see him warging in and then, like, you know, transforming him back to life through that. Um, unless, well, there's a couple of, I, I don't, I kind of agree, but I'm just throwing out, you know, spitballing that you could have him warg into Viserion and then maybe Tyrion, if he was a Targaryen, then then he would still have, could have a chance for a rider. But I'm also thinking that we don't know what Melisandre's role is going to be. So maybe some, maybe whether her role is, may, I, you kind of almost assume her role will be to resurrect somebody in the final okay. season. But maybe maybe she ends up, maybe she maybe she somehow can resurrect Viserion at some point. Maybe she can turn him back. Maybe she can turn him back. And then I don't know because it's hard to, it's kind of hard to figure what her role is going to be if it's not. I mean, she has magic, so she can do spells. So there's always stuff that they can throw out. But you. But you also think that she certainly could. We know she's capable of resurrecting. So whether we also well, we also don't know. That's another thing we don't know the motives behind the, the who you know the Lord of Light. We don't. We obviously we've never seen him or anything. But between um, what's his name and his Beric. merry men, Beric. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and uh, the Red Woman and the the one that came to Danny over in Essos, like. Uh, or, or Esteros or whatever. There's been a lot of Lord of Light talk, and you know it, he wants people to do this and that and this and that. We have no idea what this is, or if we're ever going to understand that. I mean, we got one season left of of this, and with all the shit we've got hanging over our heads that we need to have wrapped up, like I don't even know if we even have time to get into. This god, you know, to, to to put it the way Hitchhiker's guide did, like, and who is this god person, anyways? <laughs> you know, like, what what is the Lord of Light's motives? Uh, is it anybody? Is is it tied into the Night King? Is 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 it really as simple as just a god supposedly taking sides in all of this? Like, what is going on with the Lord of Light in the first place? And if it is just like these priests doing this, then what are their, are their motives factoring into it? Like we don't know anything about that either. So I'm just curious. It's, it's hard to predict what, what, what her role will be without knowing more about the role and the motives of the Lord of light himself, I guess. And that also ties into the prince who was promised, who we really think the prince who was promised is. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, lo- so what do you think, Jim? Well, I mean, logic would kind of point towards John. I guess most people would think it's John, but there's but there's probably at least two other contenders that we know of for different reasons. Well, yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like we're gonna get some kind of weird translation thing where we find out that like the prince that was promised can actually be like you know two people acting as one kind of thing. Like, I think that's a possibility and that Danny and John are going to kind of both be, you know, 
the prince together that was promised. Because, I mean, like, the two of them have both died and come back to life. Um, you know, they both kind of fit all the the uh, requirements. They're they're both Targaryens. I mean, you know, it just kind of it just kind of fits. I mean, I guess it could be that the Lord of Light is hedging its bets and is just bringing back anybody that kind of fits the bill. But um, yeah, I, I think that they're kind of going in that direction. Now, do you give any chance that Jamie could be the prince who was promised? No, not at all. And the reason some, um, the reason some people think that is because of the part again it relates to prophecy whether we think the prince who was promised has to necessarily recreate all the steps of uh what as what his name what is his name Azura Azura High yeah whether you have to recreate all those steps in order to really be the prince who was promised because part of that how he got the the sword that was flamed Lightbringer was by jamming it through like his wife or whatever the love of his life. So, so I think some people have speculated that the, that it could be Jamie when he when he kills Cersei, but of course that would happen at the end of the season. Well, see, that's another thing with the interpretation. We, I think logically we assume the prince who was promised is, is the darkness that he's supposed to end, or he or she will end, relates to the to the Night King. But maybe that's not really the darkness that the prince who was promised was supposed to end. Maybe it's related to Cersei and her kind of darkness, and then Jamie could technically still fulfill that prophecy. But I don't. I would. I would lean towards. I would lean towards John first, Danny second, and then probably and then probably Jamie. But I know some people have speculated about that, and because of the idea that having to, if you believe you have to recreate those steps perfectly and, and end up killing, you know, killing somebody you really loved, so they can work around that too. Because if somebody becomes a white becomes a white and you end up having to kill them, it's the same kind of thing. Like you know, maybe somebody has to. Maybe Jorah has to be killed. Maybe Danny has to kill Jorah or something. And it's somebody who she, you know, she really, you know, she she's not in love with clearly, but someone who she loves is a person. And so I don't know. But how did they defeat the White Walkers in the first place? Because the White Walkers are legend. Uh, so like, is it just what we were talking about when we when we see that scene between Danny and uh, John in the caves on Dragonstone? Like it was so long ago. Because it seems like. It's the reason I ask is because it seems like the White Walkers aren't necessarily like a part of a prophecy in terms of like a darkness that's coming because it almost seems like the Walkers are a force of nature. Like it's just a part of this world that a long time ago we drove them back and now they've marshaled up their forces again and they're coming back down. Like it just seems like every couple of hundred years this thing happens. So. If, if, it, if it hadn't have happened before or something, that'd be one thing. But it seems like this has happened before, and it will happen again. So, like, it seems like it wouldn't be as much a prophecy of some dark legend coming true as just a force of nature that was bound to happen eventually. They say that they fought them off once before, but, like, I think that was so long ago that nobody knows how they did it. 
Yeah, was, uh, it, like, it, was it just the cave painting stuff? Because remember, was it the the first season? That old lady that was telling brand stories while he was in bed? She was talking about them, too. Oh, old Nan or something like that? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah, she, she was talking about them as far as, like, they were legend beyond the wall. But, like, nobody had seen one in, like, in so long, you know, because nobody ventured north of the wall. Yeah. Except for, like, the, the free, the... The free the folk. Free men. Yeah, the free folk, because they didn't want to be ruled by the Seven Kingdoms. Um, hmm. You know, I, I think, like, the, the point of the wall, you know, was to keep them back. But I don't, like, you know... And the wall is also supposedly magic, too, because isn't, isn't that what... Um, what's his name's uncle? John's uncle, what? Benjamin. Benjen. Didn't Benjen say he couldn't go with Brandon then because there's some magic in the wall that prevented him from doing that? That's some character said something about the wall is magic. Well, yeah, the wall. I mean, I think that's prob- that probably is true that, that, that he may have said that because I think the wall is magic, which is why, which is pretty much why you needed, <laughs> you needed, you needed something supernatural to be able to bring the wall down, which unfortunately, uh, Thanks to John's really stupid plan. <laughs> now the night yeah. king has. Nah, it's going, asshole. Uh. Yeah. Well, I, you know, like that that whole thing, that that entire episode to go north was basically just, you know, it was a plot contrivance. That's all it was. You know, like they needed to get a dragon in the hands of the, the night king. They needed to take down the wall. You know, like... Uh, all, everything happened because they needed it to, and not because it was a natural flow. Well, it also made sense in terms of what you get out of it when they bring it down to King's Landing, and every, it, it takes away the need for people to be like, you know, it, it, have, Jim, have you seen the Defenders, or do you no. care to see any of that stuff? Eh, maybe eventually. You know, just like the Iron Fist stuff, it's not really a spoiler. When people hear about when Danny I didn't Rand watch talks that either. about when Danny Rand talks about being the Iron Fist, people are like, "What now?" <laughs> okay, and you believe this crap? Like the same right, thing. But, like you know, the, the, the White Walkers is, are like, it, it serves to get rid of that when people are like, "Oh, the White Walkers don't exist." They're, all right, so now we don't have to deal with. All right, you're fighting some stupid legend that you guys are all crazy up there. Right, but I mean, like that's the thing. Like it, it never should have come to that. It never should have come to, it's like, oh, yeah, let's go, you know, let's go talk to them about this. No. No, they should have wiped them out. The reason that they didn't is because the show writers did not want to get rid of Cersei yet. That's it. That's why they went north. That's why they grabbed a white. That's why, you know, the Night King now has a dragon. It's because... Cersei is an incredibly popular character, and they did not want to get rid of her until the last season. Oh, by the way, did you guys notice the, that that White Walker made a beeline straight for her? In a crowd of people, that thing went straight for Cersei. I mean, he was just, that was like the, the person that was in front of him. Not directly. <laughs> it kind of sort of, I think, was. I haven't, I haven't yeah. watched it since, but I think... I think that was more just instinct. That's not. That's not like. It's not like if, if they if the hound had kicked over the box and he was and and the White Walker was facing D- Danny. I don't think he would have cut right to go to, to go to Cersei. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That would have been cool though if he if he did. <laughs> Maybe I just thought it was. I mean, in in a, in a in a show where certain things like that could be hints towards something, I just thought it was interesting that it made a beeline straight for for Cersei. All right, so let's talk about Dan and Johnny. Johnny yeah. boy, there since we really since we've kind of been kicking that not on purpose, but it actually works. We've been kind of kicking that can down the road before we wrap up our characters discuss or discussions, and then where we well, think it's well, going to go. Well, is this is this is this going to be the last one? Because should we talk about the Greyjoys before we no, get we into can, that? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be the Greyjoys, but I mean, it didn't have to be the last one, but we can do the Greyjoys first. I uh, mean, is there really a whole hell of a lot to talk about with the Greyjoys? See, with the Greyjoys, I think it's it's it it fits more with what we think is going to happen next because we got there is, yeah. I mean, but we can I mean we can if you, have, if you if there's something in particular you want to say about it then sure. no no I just didn't know if anybody else did I just I, I I'm assuming like everybody else I was just y'all were disappointed in Theon I mean I, it, was it shocking no but at the same time I was like oh come on. But they're building. But they're building up. They're obviously building up Theon to have a one big redemptive moment, which we could certainly we could have a long discussion whether we think of all characters on the show he really deserves that moment. But yeah. but they're they're clearly setting it up, and that was a part of the reason why. That's why John's pep talk to him in the like was really really good. That was a because it was obviously a work twofold because we know John was essentially. Those words were going to be important for John himself because John is a Stark and a Targaryen. So when he's telling Euron, I mean, excuse me, Theon, that he's a great joy and he's a Stark because of how he was raised, even though he's not a Stark by blood, the reality is that that meant a lot coming from John, especially because they never had a good relationship. They were Theon was always kind of a dick to John. So, so I, and as we I think we did kind of talk about earlier in the season when. When Theon had that moment when he could have went straight forward to try to save Yara, strategically it probably wouldn't have worked anyway because he probably would have slit her throat before he even got there. And then Yara would be dead, and what would he have accomplished? Even if he killed Euron, would, unless he lived himself, what would he have necessarily have accomplished? But it wasn't a conscious choice. It was a PTSD moment. He froze because it wasn't just that. It was his his uncle and being intimidated. They were friggin' they they were, you know they were they were maiming and. and, and they were maiming and disforming and and amputating parts of people's bodies right around him. That is that is going to be a, the ultimate trigger for Theon based on, on what happened to him. So it made perfect sense. Let's talk about Jessica Cruz here. It's a, it makes perfect sense that he would have a panic attack and anxiety attack then. But I think we're seeing at the end of the season with his fight on the beach, which obviously was the fight on the beach that looked like it was him and Euron fighting, but f- from the pictures that leaked out before the season started. But obviously that's what that scene was, him fighting the other uh, Greyjoy, Yara loyalist on the beach. That I think they're just setting it up so so basically Theon will, will, Theon will go rescue Yara, probably die killing Euron, and then Yara will be the one to, to take over the Grey, to take over the Iron, Iron Islands. But... Um, well, you're right. There wasn't that much to Theon, and and who would have ever bet, really, especially where we were a few years ago? Who who would have ever thought that Theon would made it would have made it into the final season? Hmm. It's true. And before we we don't have to talk anything about them, but uh, before we go into John and, and Denny, tell Cersei it was me. <laughs> oh yeah. God, that was fantastic. <laughs> and that was the only saving grace to. Uh, a clusterfuck of what happened to the Martells and the Tyrells in the first like 
two to three episodes of the season. Oleana Mort- Oleana uh, what, Ty- uh, Tar- Tyrell was she was one of the mm-hmm. cooler characters on the show. So it was kind of it was kind of cool that that. Wait, Tyrell or Martell? Martell, I think. No, Martell is Oberyn. Elia Martell. Oh yes. Oberyn, it's Tyrell. That's yeah. why I stopped too because I I have to play that in my mind. Martells are were Oberyn because yeah, Elia Martell was was. Uh, so yeah, Oleana Tyrell because Mar- Marjorie was a Tyrell. So. Uh, oh right. Oh yeah. That, uh, that's what I thought you were talking about. <laughs> uh, I thought you were talking about the yeah the Sand Sisters also. Oh yeah, that they they were t- yeah I threw them in because they that was a club because they both they all got screwed and they all kind of got essentially wiped out. But he was specifically talking about the about the Tyrells and. Jamie kind of like getting that little revelation when when Jamie was being quite chivalrous and and how to and, and killing her and the way he did it too just to find out. You know, there, there actually is one thing to talk about her in terms of Tyrell the in terms of her outside of you know tell Cersei it was me. How how much do you think it'll play into things what she told to Danny when she pulled her aside earlier in the season? But the dragon thing. No, when she was telling, you know, you know, a, a, a lot of people advised me they're all dead and I'm still here. Right, but that, like was, that was that was. I'm sorry, that was also the same time when she said, "You're are, are you a sheep? No, you're a dragon. Be a dragon." That was part of the same conversation. Right, and, and, and then she went. Then she went and you know, wiped eat a dragon and wiped the shit out of the, the loot train. <laughs> That's 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 true, but do you think that was just the sole result of what she said, or do you think we're going to see more of that in the next season? Oh, there's going to be more Her. of it because Dan, because Dan, Danny being a dragon is why Jon Snow's still alive because that's why she because Danny's the one who decided to go rescue them because Tyrion once again was telling her not to do it. Okay. So if she, if she was being a sheep and listening to her advice, being her be, listening to her advisors or playing it safe, she would have stayed behind and and just let whatever happened north of the wall happen. Which is which, other than losing Jon Snow and Jorah, that would which both would have sucked for her more, on a personal level and maybe and of course it would have sucked for everybody if Jon died because whether he makes it to the Iron Throne or not, we know Jon is the is the rightful heir to the Iron Throne. Other than losing those characters. She would still have all their dragons, and, and you can make a case short term, the outcomes of that battle will look a lot greater without, you know, even though you never, the Night King could just as easily kill a, throw throw a javelin at a dragon <laughs> once he gets over the wall. But you can make a case he wouldn't have been able to get over the wall without the dragon, or at least he would have had more of a stumbling block. But, um, yeah, I think she's, she's going to be torn between that part of her, but I think there's going to be, I think it's going to be less, less of a struggle now because she knows what she's up against. That's why. I still think there's a decent shot she's going to go out in the blaze of glory to to do what needs to be done. Um, All right, so Danny and John. Then. Yes, let's do Danny and John. Preferably Danny. Oh, uh, so. But um, bum. At least you got that, John. It's, I mean, uh, Jim. <laughs> yeah, I'm fading, guys. I know. We'll try to. We won't keep this going much longer. Um. All right, so let's let's deal with the first thing. Do we? I mean, they, obviously, we're beating us over the head with it to make us think this. So, we think, do we think Danny's pregnant or going to get pregnant? Oh yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. You're Does right? it matter though? Like, if, oh, if, yeah, if, I think if it she, matters. If, oh yeah. Well, no, yeah. If, if she's not going to last, if well, if you think she's going to go out in a blaze of glory, what's it matter if she gets pregnant? I, I think she's the one that's going to last, and that John's the one that's going to die, and. 
she's going to have the heir to the throne. Well, it's, and that's the reason, and that's the reason in general why the pregnancy, if she's pregnant, why it matters. Because I agree with, I agree with Jim. The odds of Danny making it through the show increase dramatically if we know she's pregnant. <laughs> plus, it would, yeah. plus again, you would have bookends or the duality of Cersei arguably being pregnant and and Danny being pregnant, and only one of those two will survive, and their heir, you know, blah 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 blah, will be you know on, on the throne or whatever. Right. But if Danny's not pregnant, that oh, that certainly. Increases the odds that John's going to make it because John can still have kids with somebody else and carry on the Targaryen name. Plus, John is the rightful heir to the throne. So, Danny, yeah. so if Danny's not pregnant, that to me increases the odds overwhelmingly that she a will never be queen, which I never would have said before the season. I thought for sure she was going to be queen. I just didn't think she'd be queen at the end. But if she's not pregnant, I think the odds are really in favor of her dying and John being the one that lives. Uh, but I think. There's, to me, I mean, I'm, unless they really want to do the ultimate clusterfuck kind of ending for us, it's like three possibilities, realistically. Either John lives and Danny dies, Danny lives with being pregnant, and John dies, or they end up together and they both live and they both take the iron throat. But one, one of yeah. those two characters at least has to live, or else we're going to have the worst ending in the history, worse than the frigging fade to black ending of The Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and arguably even worse, because at least... We've suffered a lot of shit on this show and bad things happening to good people. With the, and you at least want to get some kind of satisfying ending where you're happy with the journey that you ended up taking because the resolution was worth it. You could, And if you have a crappy ending like Cersei on the Iron Throne, that's going to be such a people. So I think it has to be Danny, Danny pregnant on the Iron Throne. So then her, their heir will be – see, she has an heir and the, and the Targaryens continue – Danny dies, and then John marries whoever he marries, Masande, somebody we don't know, has a kid, and then they're, and then that took, the Targaryens continue, or they end up putting aside the whole incest thing, and and they end up getting married, and they have their kid together. But uh, that's why I think it is important because I, I mean I, I know we had talked about this before, the idea that you know we didn't know for a fact that she couldn't have kids. It was just a, once again like everything else, it's a prophecy. But not, or, 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 a, or a, you know, but it's not necessarily. We don't know what it means. Just like Drago, Drogo was not supposed to be able to come back while until she had a kid and stuff like that. Which does that mean that Drogo, Cal Drogo, can return? Technically speaking, does that mean he can come back because she's if she has a biological kid now? Stuff like you just don't know about stuff. But I think when it comes to if she actually is pregnant, then yes, the odds I think of her being on the Iron Throne certainly increased dramatically based on where that you would have thought if they didn't give you all that pregnancy talk in the final episode. You would have still thought John was the one because Danny's season was not – Danny had a pretty so-so season. She was not really a huge winner this season at all. I mean she wasn't a complete loser because she still – she made it clear that she was the you know she was the top dog and she was the overwhelming favorite in the, between her and Cersei. But you know she lost all her almost all her allies in the beginning of the season. She lost a dragon. She she's gonna find out real at some point that she's not even the le, true legitimate heir to the Iron Throne, so it's a tough season for her. <laughs> Thoughts? Anyone? I know Jim's fate now, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I really like the interactions between the two of them during the whole season. It's like, you know, they've spent so much time just kind of like, you know leading the pack between the two of them, you know, in their own ways, that while they have advisors, they don't have anybody that's on their own level. 
you know, and then when they meet, and it's like they finally have that. I, I liked it. I thought it was really, you know, it was a great dynamic. Uh, and I mean, like, you know, and they've hammered uh, hammered in, like, many, many times about how the Targaryens were notorious for incest. And I think they mentioned, like, that, the what, like, the, the longest piece was when uh, a Stark married uh, a Targaryen or something like that. So, I mean, like, they're definitely setting that up as a possibility. Um, whether or not they actually follow through with it, you know, we'll see. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my thoughts. And it was, where do you think they're going to go with it? As far as just into the next season, because we were talking about the possibilities, but where do you think they're going to go with it? Uh, I think, I think if John lives, then they're going to be together. And I also think that there's a very good chance that John will die, like protecting Danny and, you know, finding out that he has a son. And just like kind of knowing that the son is not going to have a father, just kind of like how he did, so that like history repeats itself or something like that. Hmm. Do you think it's possible that John could die and Danny still couldn't know that John was a Targaryen? Like, John knew, but Danny didn't. But Danny figured out she was pregnant, and then the same way John was born, his name a secret, that John tells somebody else as he's dying the true, you know, nature of Danny's kid. But see, that wouldn't, um, that wouldn't even necessarily matter all that much, because at the end of the day, I mean, at, because at the end of the day, if... I don't know if they'll, I don't think they're going to they may not go this route but if John, if only a handful of people know that John's actually what Aegon Targaryen is the in the rightful heir to the throne if Danny ends up on the iron throne it's not like she doesn't have a claim to it and if she's pregnant with John's kid it's still like part of John or his legacy lives on and she's a Targaryen too so the dynasty yeah. continues it would not necessarily be a big deal if nobody ever found out. We would know as an audience that it was John's kid. We would know that it's like a double Targaryen, if you will, it's, or, or or kind of like a more like a like a three quarters Targaryen because he's also. He's, but we, but we, you know. So I'm not. I think it's. I think how John, how the characters react to the news is, what, is what's going to make this story because John, you assume, is going to find out first. So that may that is automatically probably going to create tension because John because John's a pretty ethical guy. John's probably going to want to automatically withdraw from whatever he's doing with Danny because now it's like she's I'm fucking my aunt. That's not cool. Uh, so <laughs> that's I mean she's hot as hell, but it's still wrong. <laughs> um, so I think John's going to be the one who's going to be he's going to he's going to resist it. If Danny finds out, she's going to be probably angry, not necessarily at John, just the fact that her whole life, basically, everything she thought about who she was and what her destiny was, kind of like Stannis. You know, Stannis, Stannis is, I mean, is worse than, is obviously a worse character or was a worse character than Danny. But much like Danny at times, it's not so much that he's, and people I think do confuse this, that Stannis often, oh, he's power hungry. Danny's power hungry. And I hear people say that with Danny and about, oh, she's just power hungry. She's power hungry. And there's an element of that in everybody who wants power. But they also think that, they're, that, that 
that it's their fate, their destiny, and it's the right, and they're doing what's right because Stannis saw himself as the rightful heir, which biologically, technically, he was correct because there were no other living Baratheon children off from Robert. Robert's dead. He's Robert's <laughs> next eldest brother. He was the heir to the throne. So he was completely right from his perspective and what he wanted to do. It wasn't that, oh, I need to get it because I need to get it. He thought it was the, he was doing it because he saw that black and white is right. That's what Danny saw too. She sees that the Targaryens got what happened, how they got hunted down, their family got wiped out, they were removed from the throne, and she's the rightful heir to the throne because she's the last Targaryen. But she's not the last Targaryen, so her world's going to be shaken up when, when 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 she finds that. So it's just more it's just more tension that's going to. And I don't see again. I'm, I'm maybe I'm old fashioned here. I find it hard to believe that the big big incestuous couple sitting on the Iron Throne together is the way the show's going to end. So I kind of suspect only one of them will be on the Iron Throne. Uh, and I still bet on John, but again, like we talked about, Danny being pregnant is the wild card in this. Danny being pregnant probably flips it a little. But the thing that was really interesting about John real quick was at least this year, I mean, last year we knew based on what we saw on camera that John's mother was Liana. We knew that. And HBO confirmed it in the infographic like the next week that they absolutely confirmed that Rygar was his father. But this year we got the huge revelation that they were, that they were that they were actually married, legally married. So John isn't a bastard, and he's not an he's not a he's not an heir, but you know, but he's a you know he's an heir by blood, but not an official. We know John is an official legal heir to you know, target to the Iron Throne, you know, uh, because he's the, he's the son of the crown, the last remaining child of the crown prince. So that was. And we don't have we, we we don't have to talk about it, but you were talking about how how people react to the news in terms of Danny and John that John is legitimate Targaryen is important. One thing to consider is also how the North reacts to it. If, if they find out at all, how the North reacts and still rallies or doesn't rally behind John and what houses do or do not when they find out John is a true Targaryen. Not just that he's now teamed up with Danny, but now he is a Targaryen. But he is also a Stark. So I think. Still. That, what? Well, still, I'm just saying yeah, know, there's know, always that, a possibility someone yes, would be like, yes. oh, screw this, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I think there's going to be some resistance, but I th- but the reality is that there's also a tremendous amount of opportunity there. First of all, we know the, that they've kind of made it clear that the North has no the North has no desire or has no intention of ever basically bending a knee to a Southern ruler again. Well, they don't have to because technically Jon Snow is a nor- – he really is a Northern ruler who's got some Southern blood in him too. But he's more st- – he is based on how he was raised, he's a Stark. He's just his mixed blood. But if John becomes they, – they could also look at it that they have, they have a legitimate claim to the Iron Throne. One of theirs has, has the legitimate claim to the Iron Throne, and that's somebody who we could, li- who we could be more than happy with re- ruling in King's Landing because he's one of us, and we don't have to worry about them, you know, any, you know the class difference or us versus them or, or regional differences because John is basically one, one of us. And also the fact that this is why San, we know San, Sansa or Arya, somebody's going to have to live because someone has to be Lord or Lady of Winterfell. You know, because, because John, I mean, unless you're going to have this weird ending where, which doesn't make any sense, where Danny technically becomes, Danny becomes queen, but she still can't have kids, but when she dies, John becomes takes over for her. Then John technically could still be, you know, the warden of the north, the lord of Winterfell until, 
but he doesn't really have that claim. Once you know what, once you know, everybody knows or who his what his birthright is, what his parentage is. John, ironically, will no longer have any claim to Winterfell, but he does have a claim to the Iron Throne. Because he's a Stark, he's just not a Ned Stark's kid, and as long as Ned Stark has children that are alive, they are the ones that are that are heirs to Winterfell in the North. So, it's, I think, it's, yeah, I, I think the North will be okay with, would, they'll be okay, it will create conflict for maybe who should be running the North short term. But I don't. But I think the idea of of John being, you know, sitting on the Iron Throne is something they certainly would support if they get to that point. Um, I just want to uh, take a quick moment and cut out. Also, but um, before I go, the the one thing that I want to leave you guys with was uh, Ed fucking Sheeran. <laughs> I, if you didn't do it, I was gonna do it. <laughs> I, I almost felt bad, that so that so the people just. I'm not saying it wasn't deserved. I'm just saying I did almost feel bad that the, the poor guy likes the show. He, he he enjoyed being in the show, and all of a sudden, you know, he, he gets that cameo, and everybody's like, "Death Sanctuary." <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's a Confederate statue. Get rid of him. Oh man! If only it was that easy. <laughs> Uh, good night, guys. <laughs> good night, Jim. <laughs> good night, Jim. Uh, there was some, I thought there was one other thing of relevance that I just hope it wasn't anything I wanted to pick Jim's brain about. <laughs> um, so, I don't know, how do you think? Let's just project ahead a little bit. Where do, where do you where? Where do you think some of these characters are going to end up? Where do you think who's going to who do you think is going to live? Who do you think is going to die? Uh... Uh-huh. You know who we didn't talk about actually. There's there's two interesting people, I who I two people who I find interesting that maybe won't have like a huge reveal, you know, big end moment at the end of the series, but I'd be interested to see where they end up. Gendry, since Gendry's now back. Gendry. Uh, yeah. Okay, didn't, that didn't sound like a G, that's all. Yeah, yeah, Gendry. Um, and um, Podrick. Uh, Podrick, less so, but, you know, it just because he's been training with Brienne and he's managed to last as long as he has and he has ties to Tyrion and Bronn and so on and so forth, It'd just be really interesting to see where Podrick ends up uh, if he stays alive. I mean, it, it, it could be one of those, you know, a character we've had a long time that ends up dying and it's one of those deaths that hurt, you know, kind of a thing. But if he survives, where he ends up. And it'd be also interesting if Tyrion survives, you know, and, and Podrick survives, I'm assuming Podrick would end up, you know, you know, helping out Tyrion in some regard. Like if Tyrion somehow becomes, you know, Lord of Casterly Rock or something like that, um, you know, or whatever. And, you know, Podrick could be his, the, the Lannister military leader. I don't know. You know, some something to that effect. And also just like the wild card that is Gendry. And we didn't talk about Davos at all, which is kind of a shame. Um, yeah. Uh, even, uh, 
I'm, I'd be really curious to find out what exactly Bron and Podrick were talking about when they disappeared from the Dragon Pit. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> well, if they, they ever will. We probably won't. But you know, it, that's true. But you know what? You know what's interesting though. I wouldn't be surprised if it, it's just what they said it was. Bron was just like, eh, "Screw this, dude. Let's go grab a beer." <laughs> Like, Braun is absolutely the kind of person who's like, I don't give a shit about this. Let's go get a beer. <laughs> be curious to see. We, I guess we can assume Braun's going to head north with Jamie. Probably. Because he's... Um, sort of, well, it wouldn't be safe for him to hang around because we know Cersei has no love for him. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if, he, if for his own self-worth, it would make sense at this point because the only, the only two people he can really count on to look out for him besides himself would be... Tyrion and Jamie, and they're both north. <laughs> so, uh, you know what else would be interesting, and and we did, I, I was going to bring it up when we were talking about this scene or whatever, but you know, we got on to other things. I want to see what Cersei's hand does, because he specifically made it a point to stand up, walk over, grab the hand, and look at it. Like, oh, yes. and it made it made, it made sense because of what he did to the mountain and everything, yes. and his his you know magic slash science background sort of Dr. Frankenstein thing. But it'd be, it, the, the, it'd be curious to see what he does with this information. Right, which is kind of what, because what, didn't the hound like rip the hand away from him or something? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, John, John was doing a demonstration of how to kill him, and, and he handed the hand over to John. Oh, yeah, after it was, after it was dead. That's right. It was, uh, um... Well, no. No, the first thing John did was you can kill him by fire. He sets the hand on fire, and then you can kill him with dragon glass, and then he kills the White Walker. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the hand was still moving when he picked it up. When he picked it up. The, yeah, yeah. Because you should. That was one of the things all along with, with that horrible idea. As like the one thing you don't want to do is be given is giving this guy a, a White Walker to have. You don't want to be doing any of that shit. Uh. Um, Which, I, we didn't really see them get rid of the remains, right? Yeah, but I don't know if they would have left it. I don't know if they would. So I don't think I. I'd be. I'd be stunned that they. I mean, not stunned. They would be. They would be disappointing if they just let Cersei's people, or the soldiers, take 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 it. But that'd be another strategic faux pas. Well, well, strategic faux pas. Really, though, because we're thinking as modern people, like you wouldn't leave evidence at a crime scene. But these are people living in this age where maybe they don't think about scientific observation. They got the mountain standing right there who who was dead the last time most people saw him and should be dead. So so obviously obviously something got that guy back on his feet and looking purple, but but otherwise healthy. I think they would realize the yeah. Like but how many people how many people know that, Tyrion that, does? Maybe, but I, I'm just curious, like. I think he somehow got his hands on that stuff because there's 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 no way they they took screen time away to have this dude stand up, walk over, grab it, and look at it for a little bit. Well, I'm sure there's going to be I'm sure there's going to be some theorizing no matter what. Even if he doesn't have it, I mean, maybe he's going to be again delving deep back into the archives and the you know he's like he's like in the way he's like the the, the Sith version of uh, Sam over here delving into into records and and and, del- and looking at things that people haven't done. Or don't even haven't thought about doing for a long time, which is why he was, you know, he was part of the reason why he was able to save the mountain, right? So we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm ready for all those like Quiburn, whatever his name is. I'm ready for him and Cersei to die. Those are characters that I can't wait to see die. They're just out. They're 
Um, I think it'll be. I'm interested in the Tyrion Sansa reunion. I think that'll be cool. I don't know uh-huh. if it's going to go anywhere, but I think it would be cool. It's a possibility you could go somewhere because if you're looking to merge all the houses back together again at the end to try to have build the alliances back up, that having Tyrion, having Tyrion and Sansa by choice this time, but together would be an interesting pairing because you'd have the you know arguably the last Lannister merge with, with could be the last could be. Depending what happens with Bran and Arya, and let's say Arya does survive, I mean, but you could have one of the last, one of the last Starks in the last Lannisters together, which would be an alliance you would never have thought by choice. You'd you'd, you'd be saying. So that's, well, I know I don't, I don't see Arya marrying anybody. Oh, not Arya, yeah, Arya. Yeah. That, that's the thing too, because you really have to think about it. At this point, let's assume let's assume Bran is fit, would be physically capable of having kids. He's paralyzed, so we don't necessarily know that's the case. But let's assume that he was, based on who he is now, whether he lives or he dies, and he probably is going to live because if he if he if he dies, the only person who probably would be the three-eyed raven after it would be what Sam, right? Isn't that the only person we could probably legit, legitimately see him training to take over for that? Based on, so Bran will probably survive, but he's not, but he's not, he's not interested in anything human anymore. So Bran, even if he could have kids, probably won't. I don't think Sam would want it though. He probably wouldn't, but yeah. I'm just saying. But it also depends what happens with John too. Too, I think that a lot of that factors in. So then you only have Sansa and Arya, and one of them will really have to have kids in order to, to carry on this, carry on, you know, Ned Stark's family. And, and Sansa is obviously the most logical one to do that more than Arya. Uh, do you have? See, and it's also where people are going to end up. Like you think about it, if John, if John ends up on the Iron Throne. Now you think about who who could possibly be his hand, and you would have obviously if Davos lives, he would be the most logical one, because Davos is essentially his hand now. Sam would probably be his maester, right? Yeah, and Sam is another one who could theoretically be hand, but I don't think he's got the makeup or the, or the confidence unless that changes to have that position. But yes, maester, absolutely, that would be the most logical way to go. And other than Davos, who else? The only person who I could really see being a hand to John would be would be uh, Tyrion. And again, Tyrion's has shit to bed so far as a hand. Period. So unless he really his fortunes dramatically change, I don't know if I if I was John, I don't know if I I have a good relationship with the guy, but I don't know if I would trust Tyrion's strategic judgment. But Danny's got more reason not to trust it than John does. So. But yeah, Sam. I would if Sam lives, I, I I would see him being the maester or being possibly being a hand. Uh, obviously, it's logical to assume something like Jorah is going to die. Uh, it would be logical to assume fighting each other, the Hound in the Mountain will probably die. Uh, Jamie will probably die. Jamie will. I can't, it's hard to see Jamie surviving. What about the Brothers Without Banners? Any of them? There aren't that many yeah. left. Well, the one that keeps coming back. Oh, Beric? Well, well yeah. Beric, I think, is alive now because, you remember, he, again, about the whole thing about words meaning something is that he's the one who told the Hound that, you know, the, the, he'll, he'll see, that we're going to see each other again. So unless, yeah. that's a cryptic, unless that's a cryptic comment to maybe Beric end up becoming a, a white or vice versa, that the odds that the odds are that I think that means Ber- that, Beric, that Beric survives along with Tormund for now. Uh, at the end, I don't see Beric making it through the show. I think he dies. I don't know. I guess Tormund might make it through. 
doubtful, but po- I don't know if I say doubtful. I'd say maybe 50-50 whether he makes it. Brianna, I think it's Brianna will make it through. I think. I just want to see Barrick. Like again, it, it's it's it has to do with like not knowing the Lord of Light stuff. Why does this dude keep coming back? There has to be a reason. Right, I agree, and I think we're. So I just want I just want to see that reason fulfilled. Whether he lives or dies, I don't really give a shit. I just want to see. All right, why this dude particular has to be around? <laughs> yeah, I think he, he will. He will do something in the final season that justifies him being around. Just like I, just like the hounds' real reason for being alive probably is to step in and stop the mountain when the mountain's about to try to kill somebody who needs to live. <laughs> uh, and who knows? People thought have speculated about this too, and it would kind of be cool that if, if what's if. When if the Hound can ever overcome his fear of fire, it'd be kind of cool if he ends up with Beric's sword. Even to maybe, mm. especially if he's fighting that uh, the mountain with it, that would be kind of be cool. That he maybe he's the one that's going to inherit Beric's flaming sword, and even if he's still afraid to use it until he has no choice when it's against his brother, that maybe that'll be the moment when maybe it's not going to be until that moment right that he overcomes his fear of fire, which would be appropriate because he got the fear of fire because of his brother. Uh. I think I suspect only one dragon makes it through um, because again Rygal has never been developed as a character. It would be on one level it would make sense for Rygal and John to bond because Rygal is named after his father, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean I think maybe if John and Danny both survive then maybe two dragons will survive. If not, I'm still betting Drogon's the one that makes it through because even if he has to get healed, even if the Red Woman's maybe part of maybe who she brings back or heals is Drogon. Maybe Drogon is gets seriously almost mortally wounded and hasn't died yet, but he's in the process of dying, and the Night King's got is get is making is basically going to try to get him too, and and she she heals him in time. That I think I Drogon is the it kind of looks those catch twenty two. Drogon is the only dragon that we care about, the only one that's a character, so that thus increases and de- both decreases his odds of making it through. Because <laughs> he's the one, if we lose, we're going to care about. If Drogon ends right. up dying, we're going to care. Uh, we cared a little bit about Viserion, but it was more because of what it meant to Danny, and then, of course, by the end of the episode, what it really meant in the big picture. But Drogon's the one we care about, but Drogon's also the one you would like to see make it to the end with whichever Targaryen, because you, because of that moment Drogon had with Dan, with uh, John on Dragonstone, you could see that if Danny was gone, you could definitely see Drogon and John having a relationship, and Drogon basically being subservient to John since he is a Targaryen and he kind of senses that John is is a Targaryen. But if Drogon's going to go out, he she definitely she he I think he'll definitely go out in the blaze of blaze of glory and that probably would be if he has to die he'll die not just saving Danny but maybe taking out Viserion if he has to um, so I it makes me nervous about Drogon because actually as the years have gone by I, he's really grown on me as a character not just because of his loyalty to Danny but but we also know some of the most awesome scenes in this show over the last four or five years let's say three let's say three to four years have been involving Drogon you know, whether it's showing up at the the, the, uh, the slave, you know, the fighting pit of Marine, uh, the stuff at the end of last year when Danny was riding him and the other two dragons broke out when they took out took out the slavers. This this year, you know, during the the loot train battle and even and even and even uh, and when they were rescuing everybody, 
over the wall after Viserion already died, just the fact that he didn't really think anything was going to happen to Drogon, but just the fact that he seemed a little he seemed a little more adept at dodging things being thrown at him now. <laughs> so I think uh, I just oh, think and the scene between him and uh, John. Yes, that and that's yes, that was that wasn't a yeah 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 moment like the most of the moments we've gotten between him and Danny, and most of those yeah those super cheerful get close to the TV moments like you said. Most of those involved Danny. In, the, in, in general, but in Danny and the Dragons especially. But yeah, that moment, would, especially because I think with the coming attractions, you did not, to me anyway, I didn't necessarily think that was necessarily Drogon and John. I thought it might have been one of the other dragons, which would have made sense on one level. But the fact that it was Drogon, and the fact that Drogon let John get that close to him, and kind of, you could tell in his facial reaction and expressions that he sensed something about John. It wasn't like he was just, okay, I'm going to let this person touch me. That, that there seemed to be some recognition in Drogon about John. That that, made, that was really important. So it, it also could theoretically foreshadow that at the very least, maybe John will ride Drogon, even if John and Drogon don't last and aren't the ones surviving together at the end. Maybe that John will have no choice. Maybe something happens to Danny. Not necessarily dead, but maybe something happens to Danny, and, and John's the one that has to fly Drogon into battle, whether it's to rescue her or do something else. That at least you kind of get that vibe that they, that at least on Drogon's end, that he's okay with it, even if John doesn't quite realize it yet. So. Mm. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else we didn't touch upon of consequence. There's always stuff we, we're going to miss because no matter how much you take notes on anything, there's always something, to me anyway, usually the morning after we record when we do stuff like this, it's something when, something that pops into your head that you didn't talk about. Um, but yeah, I can't think of anything. I can't either. I think, I think we've done a good job covering most of the bases. I'm sure there'll be something that, like I said, one of us will one of us will remember, and or someone else will point out when they listen to it that we forgot. But I think overall, I think that was pretty good. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, how do people reach out to us if they want to talk to us, especially if they want to, you know, send us stuff for episode three hundred, which we haven't gotten anything from anybody yet. Shocker, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, lanterncast at gmail.com that's the best place to send us your ideas and, and comments or thoughts on the lanterncast even if you just want to give us your overall thoughts on the show or, or what we've meant to you or not meant to you or whatever <laughs> um, com. that is our website you can check out our our episodes uh, Ringcyclopedia episodes are also there I'm gonna, there's going to be another uh, Facebook exclusive to Ring Cyclopedia episode coming soon because they have some new rings I wanted to talk about by the way uh, conf- Twitter Facebook use hashtag GLcast to locate us on those iTunes and Stitcher on both whichever platform or both if you listen to us on both leave us positive reviews we will greatly appreciate that and last but not least the voicemail is 708 Lantern so that's another way to contact us and leave us your thoughts your episode ideas or it's a real easy way to be part of episode 300. Just get, leave us a voicemail and talking about the Lantern cast in, in our 300th episode in some capacity, and it's a good way for you to be on the episode and join us. That's right. Um, also, write in. Uh, somebody left, I don't know, it was a tweet or a Facebook message or comment or something. Somebody asked uh, if the uh, podcast is going to be made available on Google Play anytime soon. Uh, which would, of course, be like the App Store for Android users. Uh, I said no because Stitcher is available. Uh, so you can always download Stitcher and stream us that way. Uh, 
However, I'd be open to the depending on how easy it is to get the show on Google Play. I'd be open to the idea, but I need to know if people out there listen to podcasts on Google Play. So, if anybody out there, you know, you know, likes listening to the show, but for some reason, listening to it on Google Play would be either easier or better than using something like uh, the app of Stitcher, which is available cross-platform, whether it's Android or iPhone. Uh, let me know, and I might look into it. But that's why Stitcher's there. But uh, I'd just be curious. So if people think they that uh, they'd like to be able to listen to us on Google Play, write it and let us know. Because uh, otherwise, it doesn't really sound like a a, uh, a worthwhile endeavor uh, to try and get the show on that platform when Stitcher's available. So definitely let us know. Makes sense. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.